Stop, stop, stop. All that just really to like cover the fact that no one got out the podium. Fake. Flattery. Flattery. Good thing camera got you stirred up. Yeah, basically, uh, somehow, some way, this forgot to come out. So, and I think it got a huge scratch just now on the light. <laughs> we're taking it out too, but it's okay because we're not going. We'll probably end up getting something different in the future anyway. Yeah, different. different. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> all right. All right. Let's go. A little different. All right. So. Cassie actually said something when she said we'll talk about vision. So actually, it really is something to do with vision. And uh, so what she said was really true. Even though we talked about specifically about vision last week, we actually are going to talk about um, vision as in who we are personally, ourselves. Very important. So told you we were going to start a new study. And it's going to last, I think, a good month. Depends. It just depends. <laughs> depends what the Holy Spirit thinks and what he says. Um, I don't believe in just uh, coming up here and just saying anything just to say it. I think that really we need to tell you truly what God is speaking. <clears throat> you have to bear with me tonight because I do have a sore throat. And I uh, started getting worse as the day went on. Isn't this nice that Ryan was so willing to put out his little pennies here and fix my podium for me like he does? Yeah. Ryan, you're a good guy. Good guy. Yes, everybody... Good. Good clap for Ryan. Technical support, podium support, whatever. So the next few weeks, we're going to try to delve, go deeply inside ourselves, and honestly see who we really are. That might be scary for some of you. Some of you may not really want to know who you really are. Some of you are probably wearing this big facade pretending to be something you are, you may walk away and think that's really not who I am at all. You know, but you may be uh, one of those people that thinks, you know, I really don't care to really know who I am. Well, you're going to learn anyway. Too bad. We are actually going to learn why we are the way that we are and why we do those things that we do. And, you know, there's patterns in our life. We just constantly kind of keep repeating them. And uh, I think that we need to kind of take stock once in a while and really just kind of study ourselves and see why we are the people that we are. And I think uh, it's really important to see what's working in our life and really what's not. There's some things that really just aren't working, and we continue to keep doing them again. You know, I told you that the definition of insanity is doing something over and over and over again the same way but expecting different results. And I think that most people live life that way. When we talk about are you insane, I think anybody that really does the stupid things over and over again and expects things to be different, you could say, hey, you're insane. It's true. That is insanity. So we do need to go back to the beginning first. Um, The one thing about us and who we are, it has everything to do with God and everything to do with creation and uh, all that's so necessary for us to understand. And... uh, You really need to get a vision for that part of your life to understand who you are. And uh, I want to take you back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. Pardon me. And that's that story where God creates man. You know, a couple weeks ago I told you 
how God actually created all these different things that came into play. You know, the fact that he separated <clears throat> the earth from water, light from dark, all these different things, you know. And then how he created man, fish, all these different things. But with man, he did it differently. And I want to talk to you about that tonight. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, And the Lord God formed a man's body from the dust of the ground and breathed into it the breath of life. And the man became a living person. <clears throat> so to Adam, the very first human, God actually gave him the breath of life. And I think that really says a lot for the closeness that was involved in that. Um, it actually says that God actually breathed into the nostrils of the man and created him to breathe and live. And uh, <clears throat> how many of you out there have ever taken a CPR course? How many of you got pretty familiar with Annie, the doll? Yeah. You have to get pretty close to face-to-face with Annie, don't you? You have to get quite intimate with Annie. <laughs> you have to be right down there and uh, do the things. You have to, you know, really quickly you learn when you do CPR or anybody, you're going to have to get very close to them. You're going to be right there, face-to-face, breath-to-breath with them. And uh, you, you see those things when you're um, trying to work on Annie, you're mouth-to-mouth. And uh, you actually have to, <clears throat> if you're doing CPR, you actually have to give your breath to that person to help them survive, to live. And I think that's really interesting that that's how God actually created life in the first place, that he actually took the breath that he had and he breathed it into human beings and actually made life out of that. And I think that's quite interesting. I think we can see from the very beginning that when God created man, you don't see him creating man like he did in the other things. Where He created a lot of those other things from the distance, you know, whereas he just kind of like put them into place. But you don't see him really being so personally involved. But with man, it was different. I told you that there are certain things that he really blessed and he wanted to multiply. And I really think with man, he had such great intentions and such great hope and such great plans for him that he did things in a different way, a more perfect way, and uh, by breathing so personally into him. I think that intimacy that he created with that is exactly what he still wants us to have today. But people don't do that. People don't stay that close. They don't stay that face-to-face with God. I think that a lot of people keep God at arm's length. They really don't want to, if they're that close even. A lot of people don't even want to be that close. And uh, I think that we really have to question why it is that we kind of push God back. Why it is that we don't feel that we want to be that close to God. What, it is, it, what is it about the intimacy of God, the closeness, that we're afraid of? What, what are we afraid? What are we scared of? The fact that we're so close to God that created us. And I think we have to understand that what it really truly is, if you read anything of God's word, if you've heard anything about the creation story, if you've heard anything that took place, we understand that the intimacy that was um, created for us to live by was broken by Adam and Eve themselves. When we sin, because of our sin, it creates the separation also. Um, We lose our intimacy with God when we sin. And... Unfortunately for all of us, we all sin, don't we? There's not one of us that walks out here and says that we do everything perfect and we're in a perfect relationship with God. It doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter pastors, popes, whatever. It doesn't matter. Every single person here on the face of this earth has sinned and will sin. 
It's our tendency, it's our natural tendency to go towards sin. We, we tend to go that way so easily. And uh, all of us sin, and because of that sin, it does break that closeness and that barrier. I told you before what I really kind of look at sin is as communication with God, that when we sin, it's almost like it stops the communication. It just like it's, becomes really like, you know, drowned out. Our prayers become drowned out, and really hearing God back to answer our prayers is drowned out. So our sin really can um, wreck a lot of things in our life as far as intimacy and closeness with God and him answering prayers and, and those things. It really, uh, it's really a shame, but it does destroy that. So to get that back, like I say, we have to ask for and we have to be forgiven. And then and only then will we ever get that intimacy with God back, the closeness that God gives us. We have to get that back. I'm sure most of you probably, um, if you're watching or paying attention at all to the world, maybe to your family, maybe to your friends, people around you, you can see that for most people there's a real lack, I think, in our society of people really wanting to be close to God and have God come closer. Do you guys sense that? Do you notice that people really don't have a real interest in wanting to be near God and serve God and you talk about going you know even to your youth ministry and they're like you know why would I want to go there you know what's the point you know and stuff like that you know they they don't understand maybe why you're going um I'm sure you've heard you know we're a cult (laughs) um you know we're many things you know they don't understand why you'd want to be so um close to God and I think um a lot of those people, they're walking around with the reason, just like Adam and Eve did, because of their sin, they're trying to hide from God. They really don't want to get right up close. They don't want to be intimate with him. And uh, I think because the fact that they, they know if God gets close, if they have to go and they feel that presence of God, because there is a real presence of God. I pray that you feel it when you come in here. We pray for it to happen on Tuesday night. We pray that the Holy Spirit falls, that God's presence is here, that you feel a drawing inside of you, that there's something when we speak in the message, just in times of hanging out, in times of worship, that you feel something from God, that he's actually like tapping on your heart, that you can feel that there's something there, something that's like waking up inside you. That's what we pray for. But you see those people that don't want a lot of times come because they think, you know, they might get that. They might feel that presence, and it's scary to them. Because there's things that they're trying to hide from God, and they really don't want him to see the things that they're doing. And it really makes them afraid. That's the same thing that happened in Scripture, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, the fruit that was forbidden. You know, they ate it immediately, and uh, right off the bat, they feel shame. They feel shame. You know, they have, in all their naked splendor, they're hiding from God. And... uh, it's amazing because God's out walking in the garden and it seems as though this is something that they've done in the past. God's walked out there before with them. And all of a sudden they try to hide. They try to get away. And it's out of that shame, it's out of that same feeling that goes on today throughout our world of people trying to hide from God. It's the same thing that happened right off the bat in the beginning of Genesis. There's a shame that comes in with sin and they try to just pretend like they're not there or hide is what happens. Um, We're still eating forbidden fruit. 
That's what's going on. You know, we're taking part in all these things that God would call sin, and because of our shame, we just hope and we pray that he doesn't notice. And we don't dare darken the doorsteps of a church or hang out with a friend that might have Christ inside them because it's a little too convicting. We have to get to the point where we see that God wants us to really seek after the intimacy with him. And even though we're afraid, we have to push past that part. Because sometimes it is scary. I mean, I'm the first to tell you that, and it's the truth. It was scary to me. I went to the church for a couple times, and I didn't quite understand anything that was going on. And I was afraid. There was something real. I recognize there was. But I knew my life wasn't right, and I knew there was something that made me kind of not feel good about myself. You know, I have family that comes to our church, and when they do come, they immediately walk in our church, and they will literally cry from the time they get in here to the time they leave. That's not something that anybody's doing here. It's the presence of God and conviction and love that's drawn them, and it makes them feel like they need to really, like, ask for forgiveness, you know? God never intended for us to run from him. And be afraid of him. He wanted us to be just like it was at the very beginning when he breathed into Adam. And there was that closeness and this face-to-face relationship and there's a walking hand-in-hand every single day. That's what it was supposed to be. But we don't do it. Um, He wants us to have intimacy with him. But the other thing he wants us to have is he wants us to have intimacy with those people that are around us. And we can see that this world's very shallow. Relationships are very shallow. You know, um, there's those people, when we talk about intimacy, that girls and boys, it'd be like those things when they start thinking about like dating and intimacy, they think of it as in a relationship as in like romance or, you know, something like sex or something that's an intimate thing. And it really has nothing to do with that. Intimacy is a real closeness. It's something different. It's not just a physical act. It's something that takes place between two people. And uh, it's something that happens when you're really truly in love, that there's an intimacy, there's something close. And uh, I think it's really about being a sense of belonging, that you know that you have a connection, that there's something very, very genuine there. Um, This world's full of, though, of cold and shallow relationships. You know, but we weren't intended to be that way. We were actually supposed to have people around us that we had deep, meaningful relationships that meant a whole lot to us and that we care about these people. And it's not something that we just do. It's something that we go around with people and we're just like, we're happy to be near them. We want to spend time with them. We love them and we care about them. And see, that's not what's going on today. It's not at all what's going on. I think you can see today, if you look at society, you can see men running from relationships over and over and over again. You can see men running from their wives, their kids, not spending any time with them, just constantly, you know, American dream, got to make a living, got to hurry up and go out there and, you know, buy another car and so that I've got the look and everything else and, you know, keeping up with, you know, the best house, the best car and send your kids to this school. And it's all about image and it is really about running from the people that you love. And I think that's a sad state because that's not what God wanted us to be like. You know, you, you can see as far as women, 
you can see women that have believed this lie that society's told them for a long time that when they start raising kids, that it's okay just to have um, quality and not quantity. You know, if it's, it doesn't matter if I'm not with them every single day as long as I'm spending some quality time with them once in a while or even for the last half hour of the day. You know what? I have a real issue with that because anybody of you guys out there that are following after God, any of you guys who are really serious about your faith, you understand, don't you, that if you're not spending time in quantity, if you're not every single day seeking God in prayer, if you're not every day seeking God in um, reading his word and just really spending time just really asking him for his Holy Spirit and his help, if you don't do that in a quantity level, pretty soon your quality is going to fall off the charts. It's not going to work. You know, that's the same thing with society. Why is it that we believe this lie that, you know what, you can just give your kids very little and it's going to be enough? You know, with you, with your parents, do you feel like you have their ear? Do you feel like they're listening? Do you feel like they care? You've been raised by them. Do you ever stop and think about how your parents are to you? I mean, not telling you to judge them harshly, but understand who you are. Those people, have they been there for you? Do you feel as though they've been there consistently? Are they always gone? Are you always trying to get their attention? You can't get them to spend time with you because they consider it more about quality than they do quantity. You know, it's something to really think about. I always figured, you know what, why not have more, have more quantity, quality time? I never did understand that. If quality is so great, then you know what? More quality time can only be better, right? Right. That's the way I looked at it. It's like, to me, every single day you should be spending time. I know the reason why my kids were good students is because John spent every single night, it don't matter when, no matter how tired he was, no matter how exhausted, how hard of a day it was, John always sat down and read my kids to my kids at night. Never failed. He always spent time with them. He taught them the things that, you know what, it might have been goofy things. The kids, my kids were little, they could tell you the difference between a white rhino and all these different rhinos and all this. All that was not so important as much as it was that they spent time together. Quality and quantity. So, you know, you have to ask yourself with life, losing our intimacy, our closeness to him, yourself, look at yourself and honestly evaluate who you are, where you're at in your walk with God. Could you be hiding from God? Have you ever thought to ask yourself that? When you come here, do you feel uncomfortable? When someone comes up and starts to talk to you about God, do you feel a little bit, ugh? You know what, we all do at some point, but you know what, you just start to ask God to help you through that, and you can, you can grow in your relationship with him if that's what you want. You know, that's what it's all about. But start asking yourself, are you hiding from God? Do you even really want closeness? Do you really want to have intimacy with God? I'm going to tell you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. To know that you're in God's will, to know that whatever situation you're put in, that he is going to help you through because you're close. I love the fact that I can talk to God just like I talk to anybody in my life. I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm like, God, look at this. Do you see this? This is what I do with God. I talk to him like this all day long. Do you see this, God? Do you notice the things that are going on here? I am frustrated with this. That's how I talk. It isn't this, oh, holy God, thou art so wonderful. I don't talk to God that way. 
I believe we can talk to God because he is so close, because he's so real and so genuine to me. I talk to him just like I do with my kids, my husband, any one of the people that are in my life. That's what it's supposed to be. It's closeness, walking hand in hand. You see, with Adam and Eve, he talked really genuine with them, didn't he? That's what he wants with each one of us. We're the ones who constantly move away. Pastor told a story about that not too long ago. He said that there was a married couple. He says they used to always sit in a truck and they'd be together and, uh, you know, sit next to each other and drive around and all this different stuff. And it was like 10, 15 years later, the wife turned and she asked her husband, she goes, you know, honey, we don't sit next to each other like we used to. We just don't sit close. We don't spend that time together. And he says, you know what? I never moved. I'm still in the driver's seat. The girl's the one who moved. The woman's the one who moved. This is what happens with God. We're the ones who move away, and then we, understand, we don't understand why we don't feel close. What is it? What's going on? Well, we moved, or we never went close. I think we have to be close to understand that we have great things in store for us. I think you're going to understand if you recognize the closeness that he wants with you, you're going to recognize that you have real purpose. You have a real purpose in your life, and I think that's really, really important for us. Um, How many of you guys out there have heard, of course, the book um, Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren? It didn't matter if you were a Christian or not a Christian. It doesn't matter if you, you know, paid attention to most things. I mean, you heard it everywhere because it didn't matter what denomination. It doesn't matter anything. People were reading that book, and they still are because it has a lot of interesting things about life that each one of us are looking for. Um, One of the things he talks about is he says... um, Most people struggle with three basic issues in life. They struggle with their identity. Who am I? They struggle with importance. Do I really matter? And also impact. What is my place in this life? Those are those three things that we struggle, those three things that we struggle with on a daily basis. I think each one of us can say that. I mean, I know I did that. I started to think, what is it about that? You know, as far as identity, who am I? Let's talk to you about that real quick. Um, I just told you, if you can't understand who you are, I mean, to understand the fact that you come from a line of a human form where Adam breathed life in so close to recognize that that closeness is just as much as he wants with you too. It's so important if you don't recognize that. You should. You should recognize. We did not evolve from apes. We didn't develop out of a little amoeba in a sea. It did not happen. If you start to recognize who you are, that God created you, and that he actually breathed life into human form, and you recognize that, what a gift it was, you're going to understand who you are. You're going to start to get it. You're going to start to understand. Um, Isaiah 44.2 says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. We need to grasp that. To understand that we mattered. We, God knew who we were before we were ever even thought of being born. That's how important we are. That's who we are. You need to start thinking of yourself as this child of God. We do a program down here uh, on Sunday mornings called King's Kids. You got to start thinking of yourself as a king's kid. The son and daughter of Christ. The most high God. The king. The amazing God, that's who you are. Regardless if you don't believe it or not, if you don't call him father or not, you are. That's the truth. 
You know, it's how you see yourself that's going to make the difference. Who are you? I want you to think about it in this, this way. I, this kind of came to me today when I was uh, preparing this part of it. Right now I have an old car, not so hot. Rust, big holes, not pretty. What happens to a car when you have an old beater car? How do you take care of it? Bad. Where do you park it? Does it matter? No. It doesn't matter if you park next to a big truck with big heavy doors. You don't care. You know, does it matter if you park right next to the cart rack? No. Yeah. Do you clean the interior when you have an old beater car or do you let it go? Most people let it go. Do you go through the car wash when it's an old beater, all but rust? I mean, it's basically all rust. Do you go through the car wash and spend the money? Nope. You don't, do you? So we recognize if we drive an old beater car, we treat it bad, don't we? But what happens if we have a brand new car? We have this luxury car. You know, if you're driving some Maserati or some, you know, me, I'd love to have a nice new charger. You know, if you're driving that, what are you going to do? You're going to park it far away. You ever see those people that get a brand new car? You see they park in the, you know, South 40. They're way out there and they're parking. They don't dare go to a, a, the cart rack and, and, you know, God forbid they'd ever park. They, like, park and take up two spaces because it's like got to protect the car. And uh, they clean it every week. They're always going through the car wash, shining it up, making it so nice. They care about it so much. I want you to start thinking of how you see yourself. Do you see yourself as an old beat-up car? Or do you see yourself as a Maserati? Are you seeing yourself as some sort of luxury car, a Hummer, all these different things that are worth big bucks? How do you see yourself? If you think of yourself as something that's worth something, you're going to take better care of yourself. You're going to recognize that you have so much more worth. But if you start to look at yourself as nothing, like an old beater car, you're not going to care. Those things in life aren't going to make a difference. You, you know, you're not going to care who you date. You're not going to care what you lay your eyes upon, what you listen to, who you're friends with. It's not going to matter to you. You'll park next to the rowdy bunch. You know, it doesn't matter. You don't care if your insides get all gunked up, and you're not going to worry about cleaning them. Those, that's the stuff that's going to make a difference. You have to think about it that way. So I really want you to understand your worth. I really want you to see that if you look at yourself in a different way, you're going to recognize who you really are. Are you an old car or are you a new one? The next thing I want you to think about is do you matter? Importance. Everyone wants to be important, don't they? I don't think anybody starts this life when they start to really become aware of it, thinks, you know, I really don't want to matter to anybody. Everyone wants to matter. Everyone wants to be like people to like them and, the, and that you're, they're drawn to you and you can make a difference. I mean, my goodness, this world is filling your heads with that you guys are heroes. You're heroes because you plant a tree. You're heroes because you drink tap water instead of a bottle, bottle, bottle of water. You're heroes. You matter. But do you really matter? Do you really matter? Ephesians 1.11 says it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. That's what it's about. Today, the average lifespan 
is 25,550 days. Obviously, you've used up some of them. You're here. (laughs) You're living, you're breathing, no matter how old you are. But really, I want to ask you, what are you going to do with what's left of them? That's the average. What are you going to do with what's left of that time? I think how you're going to spend the rest, the last part of it, what you've got now, from now on, is what's going to make the big difference. I think everyone wants to matter. You matter when you're here. I want you to understand, I don't go to school with kids. A lot of the people that are older here and helping in this ministry don't go to school on a daily basis with a bunch of teenagers. It is your job, you matter, to reach those people. If you love Christ, you're going to tell them about Jesus. It's all up to you. You do matter. It's your job. That's what it's about. Most people want it really matter to someone. Let that someone be Jesus. Let it be God. I want to matter to him. I want him to be happy with me. I want him to see that I'm doing something and I'm going places and I'm trying to be the person he called me to be. You have to understand that you have a lot to offer. It doesn't matter what you're born with. It doesn't matter if you're not the best speaker, you don't have lots of talent, anything. Who God made you specifically is the person that he called you to be to use what you have. You don't have to wait till you get all these amazing gifts to do something for God. He wants you to use them right now. Just start speaking. He give you a mouth, use it. If you can't speak, sign language. Do something. <laughs> Write it down. Tell somebody something. Do something with your life. doesn't matter if you haven't done everything just right. I want you to understand, everyone matters to God. Everyone. Those people that have not done everything right, when I wasn't doing everything right, I'm going to tell you the worst and vilest of offenders matter to God. He loves everybody. He wants everybody to get right in relationship with him. He never called just the perfect people, the pretty people, the wealthy people, those people that have it all together. Those aren't the people that matter to God. Everyone matters. Every one of us has a job and a mission. Next thing is what kind of impact we're going to make. What's your place? What's your place going to be in this life? You definitely have a job. I really want you to get that. You have a job to do. Um, the one thing the Bible says is we're, we're saved to do work for him. God's word talks about the fact that we are his hands and his feet. That's what our job is. And uh, each one of us has certain traits. We might not be perfect, but each of us has certain traits that make us um, the important person to reach at least one person around us. I may not be a person that can reach somebody. I'm, I'm pretty uh, old, and I'm not going to be able to have an opportunity to go up and talk to a lot of people and just tell them some things. But you know what? You, you can have maybe an opportunity. You're in the same band with them, or you know, you're on the same team with them. You have a connection, and, and use it. It might be your gift, really. Um, Alice, extremely good encourager. Alice's job and her impact that she's going to make on this world is that she's going to go around and she's going to encourage. If you have a gift of doing worship, you know what? Do worship. If you have a gift of serving, serve. If you have a gift of teaching, teach. But do something. There's a whole lot of people that have spent time doing nothing in churches. 
It's all about feed me, feed me, like those little chicks Shelby was talking about earlier. You know what? That's all they're doing is just waiting with their heads bobbing up in the air. Feed me, feed me. Then they bob back down, you know, go back to sleep, and that's it, until somebody else shows up with something again. We're not called to be that way. If there was more people serving and impacting for Christ, we would be like really doing something. This world would probably be a whole lot better place than it is right now. So it's your job to do something. You do have a place and you are going to have an impact when you're called to do what, and when you do what you're called to do. Um, You have to understand and recognize that there's needs that other people have and use them and really um, put them to use, put them to use, all those things that God gives us, put them to use for him. Now, of course, I'm talking to you. You you guys might be confused because you're thinking, well, about life, and this doesn't sound very tangible because you guys are in school every day, and all you hear is how you're going to make a difference with the world and environment and all this. You know what? All that's important, but I'm talking to you from the perspective of God, Christ, what God would want you to do. I'm not going to hear be up here. I think you hear enough of it. I'm not going to tell you that, hey, you know, off, go off and do this for this country. All that's important, but I'm not here to tell you that. I think first and foremost, we should always consider and be aware of the fact that people are dying and going to hell. I told you last week, have a vision of hell. If you have that vision and you can understand the impact that you can make to stop people from going there, that is amazing. That is an amazing thing to have an opportunity to take part in. I want you to think upon uh, the scripture verse. It says, Acts 13, 36. It says, David served God's purpose in his generation. I tell you that all the time. You're called to do something for your generation of people. None of you have an opportunity. You know what? We all will stand. God's word says it. We're all going to bow down. We're all actually going to tell Jesus that he is Lord. It's whether or not you want to or you don't. It's going to happen. Adolf Hitler had to do it. I believe God's word where it says that. It says every knee will bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ was Lord, is Lord. Someday you're going to do it. It's but whether or not you want to do it then or now. Your choice. I think it's probably a rude awakening for some of those people that have um, believed in different gods and believed in uh, a whole different plan then when all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, you are Lord. But by then it's too late. I believe God's word. I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's open for interpretation. I don't believe that it can pick and choose what's in it and say, oh, okay, I believe in that and then I don't believe in this. I believe every bit of it. Every bit of it. After reading through about five, six times, it's like, I don't, I don't question it. I believe it 100%. It all makes sense once you start reading it. It's just that people think, They keep trying to put it in a different order and it doesn't make sense the way they want to do it because that's not how it was intended to be. Get a vision of who God is. Get a vision of who you are. Start to recognize that you're called to do something and really start to make the impact on your generation of people. It's super important for you to get that and grasp it. Now, as time goes on, this next um, few weeks that we're going to talk about this, we're going to do more uh, personality um, profiles, kind of check and see some different things. But we're also going to keep bringing things back, even though it's going to be fun and some games and some things like that. We're going to take things back all the time to what's important, which is your faith 
and where you are in Christ. Because nothing else, it doesn't matter who you are, there's people that are celebrities and stars that are going to hell when they die. It made no difference. So it's all great to have self-help and, and to be all these, these other great things, but what I want you to understand is that we're going to continually keep taking things back and give you a vision of who you are in Christ also. I want you to get the idea that you do matter. 